Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1233 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Our guests receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow Sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers Now sent you. Roos Chris is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, our Oilers Now headliner today is presented by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show one of the most patient writers on the planet that's always been his modus operandi, Mark Spector, a.k.a. Sportsnet Spec on Trivia. Hello, Spec. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Bobby, what's going on today? Well, you know what? We have the draft. I got to tell you, I, I had an interview with uh, Connor McDavid on Monday morning, and I said to him, you know, as you know, I went to every draft from uh, 2009 to 2019, uh, and a lot of those years, well, I mean, let's go through it, Spec. In 2009, the Oilers drafted 10th. In 2010, they drafted 1st. In 2011, they drafted 1st. In 2012, they drafted 1st. In 2013, 7th. In 2014, 3rd. In 2015, 1st. Hey. Right, 2016 fourth, 2017 seventeenth, uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, that was the Bouchard year, tenth, twenty nineteen, eighth, and then twenty twenty. We didn't have it, uh, you know, twenty for two years there. Lightly attended while well, the one was done online. The point in this is, I actually think it's a like I said to Connor. I'm not disappointed I'm not at the draft this year. Edmonton's only got a second, a sixth, and a seventh. That's a sign that the organization is going for it. The orders are not the focus tonight, and is that not a good thing, Mark? Well, yes, it is a good thing. You can't, you know, it's pretty simple math, Bobby. When you're drafted in the top five, it's because you're one of the worst five teams in the league. So you can, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this with a friend just last night, and they said, when is the draft anyhow? And he's a big orders fan, and I laughed. I said, we just went through 10 or 15 years where you knew darn well what night the draft was because it was the biggest night of the year. <laughs> and now Oilers fan doesn't even know when the heck the first round is sometimes. So that is progress, my friend, yes. <laughs> All right, so here's the situation. And again, situations are fluid. That means it can change. But, Mark, at this time, I would suggest to you it appears that the orders might be relatively quiet. Now, something's got to give with a guy like Yamamoto. They can't keep both Yamamoto and Fogle. And they have the obvious buyout mechanism at one-third on Kata Yamamoto if they can indeed trade him. But other than that, there might not be a significant sexy ad via free agency. And... uh, and I told David Staples, I said, well, you're one of the guys out there that stirs the pot on all this stuff because you're an aggregator. And he goes, no, I get it, I get it. Like, hey, they're in the position where they're limited cap-wise. 
for your from your perspective, should the Oilers be wheeling and dealing to add and make significant additions, or do you kind of keep it status quo and pick away at the you know adding some bottom six forwards? They've got you know seven defense that they played most of the playoffs last year. They got their two goalies. Uh, they got five six of their top six. What what, what would you do? Where are you, where are you at with this? Well, first of all, Holland's made it pretty clear that it's his bottom six is his priority. So when when we're talking bottom six guys, and maybe a, a maybe a defenseman, I don't think so. But if we're talking bottom six, that defines not wheeling and dealing. No one no one wheels and deals, quote unquote, and brings in a bottom six player. Is that fair, Bob? A yeah. Bukestad trade isn't wheeling and dealing; it's nipping around the edges. Okay, so there's no question his, his the holes he has to fill are the bottom six holes at forward. He's not changing his goalies at this point, although I sense he would if he could move, move that Jack Campbell contract. He, well, he's not going to do that. So I'm going to say this to you, Bob. Here's the biggest factor in the Oilers' movement around the draft that I can see compared to the last few years. This team is no longer a long-term injury team, right? Yes. They don't, cleft bombs off the books here. They don't have LTIR to Spachek, uh, Spachek, uh, Smith, excuse me, Smith. I was thinking Spachek. He was hurt for a while. He was on there for a while. <laughs> anyway. You're thinking anyway. Sakura, not Spachek. He didn't come back yeah. after the uh, 06 final. Anyhow, that's how my brain works very poorly sometimes. However, here's what I'm saying. They're not an LTR team anymore, Bob. So they don't have to spend yes. all their cap space right you know, before the season starts. And that's a huge factor. Now, I asked Holland, can you keep a million bucks aside? Because a million bucks in September is like four and a half million at the deadline. Yep. And his answer is, oh, man, I'm going to try. Yeah. But let's see what happens. So yep. to me... Like, I think, Bob, they're afforded now. They're a good enough team. They can go in the season and say, let's play Broberg. Let's play him until the trade deadline. We can uh, win enough games. Now, now, see, now you know where we're going here, Mark. Like, I think they need to find out what they have with Broberg. You know how hard I was pushing Bouchard to the point that it got brought up during the pandemic here in 2021 in the Zoom calls that the broadcasters did with Playfair, because we got Playfair sometimes, and and Dave Tippett, like I and and Brian Lott knows this because he's super tight with Tip, and he knows how hard I was pushing Bouchard. And Lawton's coming up next, and he thought Bouchard should be playing too. And now I'm at the stage where I think the Oilers need to, you know what, or get off the pot here. And it may mean that DeHarnay does not start the season in the top six. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you, are you comfortable with that? Uh, absolutely, for sure. There, there's a couple things here. I think in hindsight. I was with you, Bob. I thought that they wasted that bubble season with Bouchard. Would he play 11 games or something? But, but let's look down on Bouchard from 30,000 feet. Is anyone accusing the Edmonton Oilers of mishandling or or mis misdeveloping that player today? No, I think they've done a pretty damn but good Mark, job. But Mark, there were people. There were people in February that were prepared to trade Bouchard in a trade for Eric Carlson. Okay, well, those people weren't working for the Edmonton Oilers. You know, those people were guys in my business. Who cares what they think? Who cares what I think? Right. Like, we crit- I'm, I'm the guy that criticizes the Oilers when they screw it up. But I'm looking at I'm looking at Evan Bouchard today, and any conversation that the Oilers did something wrong with that guy, it's a moot conversation. I guess my point was, you know, the old Dale Talon line. You don't know what you got with a defenseman until you get to right. 300 games. Bouchard's played 60 games. I'm Mark. I am totally with you. I I actually want to see Darnell Nurse paired with 
uh, Broberg. Broberg playing the right side, and Nurse helping bring in Broberg along, and those guys playing a two a strong two way game. And let's see where we're at with Broberg here. And you play Nurse, and then you play CC and Kulak, Kulak and CC in the third pairing. Those guys can. That's a really good. You're paying for it, but it's a good third pairing because I want to see 40 games of Broberg getting 17, 18 minutes a game, Mark. You know. I do too. I think I think it is time. I think he's been around long enough. It's time to play the player and see what you have. And the luxury that the Oilers have this year and now is you got, what are you going to have? Let's call it 50 games to play Goldberg. Yep. And play the heck out of them and put them in all the situations. And come March at the trade deadline, whatever it is this year, Bob, is it Feb 20? Is it March whatever 1st? it is. Let's say it's March 1st, sure. Okay, let's say it's March 1st. Uh, then you look around and you say, okay, this is the kind of, if we still need a defenseman, you know exactly what you need. And yep. at that point, you don't have to make a big splash and go out and get Ekholm again or, or an equivalent. You can go out and find a, a UFA and give a third-round pick and bring that guy in for your playoff run. I think that's, how I think, how the orders are planning this thing out. The big defenseman isn't going to come in free agency, but it might come on March 1st. Uh, support, yeah. Now, conversely, uh, you know, there's going to be, if, I think we're both operating under the context, Mark Spector joining us from Sportsnet. We're both operating on the context that Yamamoto is, is probably going to be in play here, either in a small trade or even potentially in a buyout. And one of Yamamoto or Fogel's going to be gone. So that's there is going to be an opportunity for somebody out there to drive some numbers. I mean, there is a chance we're hearing stories about Milan Lucic returning to Boston. It's going to be a base bonus deal. I've spoken to Jerry Johansson about this. He's told me point blank that's going to be what the deal for for Milan. It's not going to be a huge base bonus deal. It might end up equaling 1.4, 1.5 million in the combination. But there's got to be. Agents out there looking at it going, well, if they move Yamamoto here, there's a chance for my guy who's got some offensive ability in the top six. He might be able to drive it. And we keep circling back to Connor Brown. But, Spec, for me, that too is something that you start the season with. And as you recruit, you might have an opportunity to add to your top nine with another forward. What do you think? Well, here's one of the issues that I see. They love for Raphael Lebois to be the guy that steps into that spot. That's what they would love, right? You, you brought the, you drafted this player, you developed this player, he's cheap, cheap, cheap. But the problem is training camp starts long after the trading season kind of ends and certainly after free agency is done. So on one hand, they want to say, let's give let Raphael Lavoie a bunch of games in the preseason, maybe the first seven or eight games of the season. But if he doesn't work, where are you then, Bob? You're sitting there at the end of October with a hole in your forward line that's really hard to fill that time of year. So they need to make it, a, you know, can you do what you're doing with Broberg? Can you do that with Lavoie? Can Lavoie get you to the trade deadline, Bob? Do you well, think? I don't know. To me, that's more risky because he hasn't played any games in the NHL, and he's been consistently inconsistent in the AHL, though he did have a good you know, 40-game run last year. Him and Noah Philp, Mark, were the two best forwards in the back half of the season last year in Bakersfield. Right. Maybe right? you need to 
maybe you need to take a like again they, they've earned the ability to take a risk like that Bob because they've got a really good team yes. I'm going to tell you that they can they can keep their heads above water and win games and have us go into it with a, maybe a Lavoie and say we're going to take a run with this guy and if it doesn't work okay we got the deadline coming I'm not sure I'd take that risk but I haven't seen the player close enough it's it's a big one I think well would you be open to Connor Brown on a base bonus deal if they could get him done? Yeah, sure, absolutely, because it's going to be a one-year deal. Because if I represent Connor Brown, uh, Frank Cervelli, Elliot, I, I, they've all said it. If he comes to Edmonton, he's given up significant money. Yep. Uh, well, but, he might, but he might be able to make more in the future yeah, if he can drive. I mean, if, right? I mean, the guy had 128 points in junior when Chris Knobloch put him with Connor McDavid. Yes, he did. Right. So everybody, listen. Here's the risk if I'm Connor Brown. I can go out and sign a four-year, let's say, fifty million dollar deal, maybe tomorrow. But if I come to Edmonton and tear it up on Connor McDavid's right side and get 80, 90 points, I'll be then be signing something with a seven million dollar eight. Oh, I can't. Next I, year. I'll tell you Four right six. now, if he if he if he came here and got seventy points, the Oilers would have the best top six in the league. Sure. Like, think they about would. it. I mean, they got they got Kane, who basically the year before was on pace for a thirty five goal season with the Oilers. He had thirty five goals in fifty eight games between the regular season and the playoffs. Hyman had an eighty three point season last year. Nuge had a hundred point season. McDavid had a hundred and fifty point season, and Leon was oh, I, I forget the number one hundred and fifteen, whatever it was for Leon. Like he's, I mean, they're they're going to have a heck of an offense again. The okay, team well, defense. Brown, wait a sec. What if Carter Brown comes here and gets hurt again on a one year deal? And that's the other end of it. That, that's, <laughs> that's and that's that's what him and his agent are sitting around talking about. Je- right this and Jeff Jackson moment. is his agent, the same guy that's got <laughs> Connor McDavid, as you know, and yeah. Evan Bouchard. Dave Gagne and uh, Jeff Jackson have uh, Evan Bouchard. Ryan McLeod's going to be an important player in this team, Spack. He's like he actually. You know what? Uh, I think you'd agree his line played pretty well against Vegas, five on five. That's uh, and you could have maybe made an argument that they could have flipped a match up there, given and the one <laughs> the one guy that helped that line, who always got the puck out. They resigned at nine hundred. Derek Ryan. I mean, it was it's hilarious when you think about it. But that line was the in terms of the Oilers playing better defense and smarter hockey. That was the line that was most effective five on five in that series. And mm-hmm. McLeod, McLeod was a factor in it. Uh, he's going to be an interesting guy here to watch in the future. Well, they need a jump out of him now. He's yeah. you know, at the point in his career where he's ready to take a step. And I heard Ken Holland basically say he's our third-line center. That's yep. what he is. So how do you deploy him? How do you help him take that step? You know, do you give him, do you give him a steady diet of a skilled guy on the left side like Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Do you play him on more of a hard charging line with uh, Fogel and uh, you know I don't know who's going to be about, on the what about well, what about Holloway what about so in New York when the Oilers came back from three nothing down yeah yeah remember yeah. they had, they had they had Holloway on the left side McLeod at center and Fogel on right wing what about that yeah I don't mind that line that line's got a ton of speed yeah and it's hard to handle so you know what is is Fogel at the point in his career where he can jump onto a line with a young guy like Holloway and, and be a bit of a steadying influence I don't know if he's there yet but um, this team is going ahead with with 
Ryan McLeod is his third line center. To me, Bob, this is just to me. He's not the traditional third-line center on a championship team. Usually that guy is older. Usually that guy is somebody like a Phil Deneau, right? Yeah. In the old days, it was a Guy Carboneau. It was a John Madden. It was a uh, – Ryan McLeod's younger than the top two center. Uh, but, hey, it's 2023. We do things differently under the cap. Can he be the third-line center on a Stanley Cup winning team? I think we're about to find that out. All right, Spec. Uh, look, we'd be remiss without mentioning your involvement with the professional – uh, Hockey Writers Association. We hey, it was 195 out of 196 votes. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. I was a little bit surprised to see a Pittsburgh-based writer have Connor McDavid fifth, given that Connor lit yeah. the Penguins up the one game we were in Pittsburgh this year, two uh, two and four first star. The Oilers blew at the Pens seven one. I guess those seven two, those sort of things happen, don't they? Yeah, what, what sort of things happen? The vote or the or lighten up the Penguins? No, uh, the vote. <laughs> They do, Bob. Uh, as a guy that used to be quite involved in this, I guess I'm going to say this. You get 195 people together, or basically you start with 200, uh, and you get them to do anything, you're not going to get 195 people that do it to everyone's satisfaction. Right. I guess it's it's the world today, Bob. Let, let me give you an analogy. If you went out and shot 196 free throws, you sunk 195 of them. Would we walk away talking about the one you missed? Because that's what I've seen the last couple of days. The the PHWA, and I'm defending us now because I'm one of them, so I'm a home team guy here. They picked uh, McDavid and Drysaddle as the top two centers for the all-star team. They absolutely, one vote short unanimously, picked Connor McDavid as the Hart Trophy winner. Uh, all the other awards, in my opinion, were were dead on. And we're walking around talking about one vote, which is indefensible. I don't know how the guy defends. But right, I know Seth, hey, Mark, I it's how over. You said it. It's indefensible. You don't know how he defends it. We can move on. I can't defend it, but why are we talking about well, one vote? I guess that part of it is it, a job. Uh, part of it is some people might say he took away the opportunity for Connor to be a two-time unanimous selection. Mark, how many you think more? Connor's losing any sleep over that? No, I, let me ask you this. How many more do you think he can win? Oh my goodness! Uh, oh, lots, right? He could listen. Connor McDavid could win the heart for the next five years in a row, and I'm not being a homer when I say it. He's that much better than everybody else. So right now, he went into the awards voting as the leading points, goals, and assists guy. That guy wins the heart every year. Well, how many how many more Rosses is he going to win, Bob? Yeah, you know, that's how many. He's got five. He's, he's got five. realistically, I think he wins at least three or four more. Seriously. And you know what? If he, Mark, I got to tell you, this didn't get brought up much yesterday. I know, oh boy, the Kings, they got Pierre Luc Dubois. Look, LA is well coached. Uh, They got to get a goalie. Um, they're changing their defense out. They're going to have a, a little bit younger. They're trying to get bigger, Bob, right? They're trying to get bigger. Everything right. was way bigger than they were, and they didn't like that much. Right. And, and and all that being said, but you know what? You and me both know. Leon Dreisaitl, buddies with Andre Kopitar, you know, Octagon with a heavy and loud presence in Los Angeles. You know who I'm talking about. And now they've gone out and signed PLD. 
I mean, that to me lessens the probability. And I'm going to have the man that started Octagon, Brian Lawton, coming up. But you know how agents sometimes talk to GMs. Oh, you know who'd look really good here. You know, in a couple of years from now is Leon. Oh yeah. Well, oh, yeah. now that PLD, they've just taken away eight and a half million dollars from from that. And we both know there's one place where Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle can uh, play together. And that's yeah. Edmonton. That's the yeah. only place they can play together. And we're damn lucky to watch them, but that is the only place they can play together. I don't think yesterday's trade was necessarily a bad thing for the Oilers. Well, I'm going to say that you can, you know, two years from now, you can probably shuffle any deck you want if you have to. Where's Drew Doughty going to be? All of those things. Sure. I want to tell you, though, we've all complained, and Oilers fans listen to this saying, you've all complained about how slow it's been for the orders to get to where they're at, how long it's taken to build a true Stanley Cup contender. Well, the beauty of this thing is the, the, the exact moment when the deals are, are coming to a close for Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid is when this orders team is going to be at its very zenith. It's going to be right at the top of its arc. And the cap's going to go up at that time, too. And Mar- the cap's going to go up. It's going to be, a, let me say this, it's going to be the hardest team to leave that you could possibly think of. I'm not saying one of those guys won't choose to leave. Both. It's a personal decision. It's the right, but never will this team be harder to walk away from than two years from now. Mark, I'll leave you with this. I don't know if you watch Spit and Chicklets on a regular basis. Uh, for some inexplicable reason, they had me on the show about a year ago, and Ryan Whitney loves reading my text that I sent him when he needs some Oilers in, intel. Uh, I, you know, I always liked Ryan Whitney. He was an interesting guy. He could laugh at himself. I like guys that could laugh at yeah, himself. Me too. Uh, Jonathan Marsh's show was on the show and said, point blank, uh, toughest series for Vegas was Edmonton. He said, that's an elite team. That's the champs that just beat the Oilers. I think mm-hmm. those guys know deep down side just how tight the margin really was. And he also met, he talked a bit about the suspension on, with Nurse and how that worked out with Nurse and uh, Petrangelo. And Darnell, that's partially on Darnell. He skated in from the blue line, oh, for sure. put himself Absolutely. in that position. Unfortunately, yeah. You know, and we're going to be talking about this all. How frustrated a percentage of the fan base is from. And what did McDavid say the other night? Unfinished business. Let's get back to work. I thought that was a pretty good. Uh, you know what? He hey, I want. I'm gonna. We're gonna. You know, we're gonna honor the day that is the awards. I personally hate award shows, Beck. I don't know about you, uh, but I. My goal isn't to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. My goal is to watch the Edmonton Oilers hoist the Stanley Cup. That's what I want to see happen here in Edmonton. I could care less about anybody ever thinking I'm any good at all because I know my own family doesn't think I'm that special. So well, this is a, this is a very very focused team. And it's what Ken Holland says at nauseum. You know, every good team had to do the journey. And we've watched the journey. Vegas did the journey. Tampa did the journey. Colorado did the journey. And now Edmonton is on the journey. And there's no law that says when you hit the top of the mountain, there's no formula that you just have to check a box. But I'll tell you what, there's nobody in hockey that hasn't won. Right? There's nobody in hockey that hasn't won that's further along on the journey and has a better team than the Edmonton Oilers. They're ready to win. The players are ready to win. Uh, I've never been in a summer where, I'll tell you this, I'm 57 years old. I've been covering hockey for 30-some years. I've been looking forward to the season starting ball, but it's not even... Uh, 
It's not even Can't July. believe we got you uh, away me, away That's from the lake. Me. And, and Mark, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do one more hit with you next week on the Wednesday. Okay, some post uh, free agency if you're available, and get your thoughts on that because I think it might be quiet for Edmonton over the next two or three days, and I think it might heat up a bit on uh, Monday and Tuesday next week. So thank you for joining us. All right. All right, Bobby. Have a great day. Twelve fifty-six in Edmonton. We'll break for ninety seconds. You're listening to Oilers now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, uh, the Oilers Now injury report is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, part of Murphy Brown. That was the uh, Eskimos secondary back in the day when they won the Great Cup in 1993. Uh, of course, big supporter of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the U of A Golden Bears. James H. Brown, it's this simple. 250-plus years of experience to get you the best results. Into a text on the Ashley Pine Flores text line. Bob, don't rest on Marsha Show's comments. Colorado's already better. The Jets will be there. Vegas and L.A. will be gunning for Edmonton as well. Well, I'm going to concede Colorado is already better. They've moved out Newhook, who uh, didn't have the level of compete that was requisite to win in uh, Chris McFarland's mind. Uh, their GM, who's a very sharp guy, and uh, obviously have uh, it sounds like they're going to let Comfort go. If you've not heard, uh, they acquired uh, Ryan Johansson last week, and now they've added a guy that uh, was a highly competitive player for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And frankly, I was a little bit surprised. They only ended up giving up a uh, Ross Colt, a second round draft choice. That was a good trade. I concede Colorado's better. Uh, the text goes on to say Vegas and LA will be gunning for Edmonton as well. I'm going to say right now, I believe the Pacific Division will be the best division. Was it the best division in hockey this year? Think about it. Seattle beat Colorado. Uh, Edmonton and Vegas met. In, the Kings took the Oilers to six. And uh, Vegas's toughest matchup was against Edmonton. It looks to me like the Pacific Division was the best division. Of course, that's not what Eastern Canada would tell you. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. And when we come back in Oilers now, for Wow Factor Desserts, Brian Rotten.